This is the smell of a warm three-day-old egg salad sandwich in a wimpy trash bag. Wimpy, wimpy, wimpy! Blech! And this is the smell of that same sandwich in a hefty, ultra-strong trash bag with new Fabuloso lemon scent. Hefty, hefty, hefty! Ah, <sighs> smell the difference? When life gives you stinky, get hefty, ultra-strong with new Fabuloso lemon scent. It smells like clean, freshly picked lemons. So no matter what's inside your trash, you can stop the stink and smell the lemon. This week on Dueling Review, we take a look at plunge number one from Joe Hill and Stuart Immonen. In the aftermath of a devastating tsunami, an exploration vessel known as the Durlith begins sending an automated distress signal from a remote atoll in the Bering Strait. The only problem is the Durlith has been missing for 40 years. Marine biologist Moira Lamb joins the Carpenter salvage team to recover the Durlith's dead, only to find that this remote part of the Arctic Circle, the dead, have plenty to say to the living. Joe Hill and Stuart Eminen's plunge into horror begins here. All right, we are here to talk about plunge number one. Oh, from I Joe love Hill. This is uh, this is part of that uh, Joe Hill pop up imprint thing that uh, DC has going. And, Hill House uh, Comics. Yeah, and it's uh, it's interesting. This is what the third book in this series that we have. Red. I want to say fourth. Well, I don't know that we have read. I think it's the third. Uh, I think there is a fourth. I reviewed. Um, oh, gosh. Now I can't remember the name of it. My brain says Olive Byrne. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I know which one you're talking about. Yeah. For the site. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But I know Olive Byrne is uh, Professor Marsden's other wife. So I know that that's not right. You remember yeah. Professor Marston invented Wonder I, Woman. I, I, well, yes, he also invented many other things, including the uh, the lie detector. Mm. Um, so, but we and, did basket full of heads. Yeah, we did basket full of heads. Uh, I think it's Est- Esterburn. I, I, I think that's I want to say that for some reason. But yeah. <laughs> Esterburn. And then and then we hit uh, we hit plunge number one, which is interesting because um, Joe Hill continues to nod to his favorite. Uh, horror things in the name of this uh, wrecked ship that they uncover, the Durlith, mm-hmm. which is the um, which is the name of the author. I, I don't know how much he is on uh, um, how good he is as a writer, or how good he was as a writer. Uh, but uh, August Durlith is the guy who essentially took all of Lovecraft's short stories stuff from all the pulp magazines and gathered them together and started publishing them in book form. Um, he also is infamous, notorious for going in and changing some of the original works and, and, uh, doing some other things with, uh, Lovecraft's work. And so Durlith makes an appearance. Also the crew that has been hired to, uh, go out and, and, uh, salvage the Durlith. Uh, the, the last name is, is the Carpenter, which we know John Carpenter and uh, all of his horror movies and the things and all that stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm very, There's, very interested to see how much more of that he's going to cram in here. Probably a lot, because I feel like there's some overt Steven Spielberg, other than the literal references to Jaws, but I feel like there's some Steven Spielberg weirdness going on in here. I'm hoping 
that the whole series is just a, you know a whole bunch of Easter eggs to unravel. That would be fun. And, well, he did that in um, he did that in Basketful of Heads. Remember, it was very much an homage to the uh, to Jaws again with the uh, with the uh, Amity uh, community with the with the shark. Uh, but mm-hmm. this is this is a little bit different because this is one of those horror movies where tsunami comes in and then that uncovers some ship that's been lost for 40 years and it starts sending out a distress signal and a crew has been sent into the Russian zone of the Arctic Circle in the Baltic Sea to find out where this ship is at. And oh, by the way, that's not a volcanic crater that it's in. It's the atoll has actually been created by a meteor that crashed to Earth millions of years ago. And, right. and- um. Giant squids off the coast of uh, something. Yeah, off the coast of Alaska, I believe, off the Aleutian Islands. And yeah. it's just, it really sets me up, feels like we're being set up for, you know, an alien invasion, you know, the thing, uh, look to the sky, that kind of stuff in this book and what kind of horrors they're going to find on the Derleth. Now, my big concern right now, just in the first part of this book is, you know, something weird is going on. Uh, a salvage crew going and finding this lost vessel, which is suddenly resurfaced and this possible hint. I mean, you know, this hint that there may be something extraterrestrial involved in this because of that meteor crash from a million years ago. There was a series that came out in the nineties. It was a short run series. I believe it was called virus and it was about an alien AI or some kind of alien virus that infected the crew of this ship and turn them into, you know, Japanese horror monsters where they're half man, half machine kind of things. And this salvage crew that came to the boat to try to figure out what was going on. And then they have to, you know, do the whole thing thing. Uh, I get vibes of that in this book. And I don't know if you remember reading it. It was, it was published by dark horse. Uh, it was like 92. Yeah. Something like that. I remember it vaguely. Yeah. It was really creepy at the time. So I'm, I'm prepared for creepiness, but I just get the, the hint that that's, I don't want to say it's going to be a rip off of that. I hope it's not a rip off of that, but I just got that really big vibe of, of a nineties horror tale right here. Eh, I hate the term rip off because I feel like, especially when you're dealing with horror, archetypical concepts are really kind of where it's at. I mean, the, the whole thing about something, a strange mystery and something, above and beyond what we understand. I feel like that really does play into big kind of bold, maybe even repeating concepts. And, you know, the thing about virus though is virus bears a resemblance to an outer limits episode from like 40 years earlier. So, you know, I feel like it kind of, it it comes around and around and around and around. I didn't necessarily make that connection but going through this, I just felt like this was, this felt like a really strong first 15 minutes of a movie. And the thing that I considered and kept thinking about was the Meg. Have you seen that? About the, the dinosaur, the, the uh, Megalodon? Yeah. Yeah. The, I haven't the Megalodon. seen it. It's got Batwoman in it. And it's this thing where you build up these diverse, weird characters from different places, and they all have to team up and get into an experimental submarine and go down to the deepest part of the deepest part of the deepest part, and it turns out that there's actually a part below that, and below that lives the Meg. And um, I'm, I'm pretty sure that this movie was actually, when they wrote it, it was called Bigger Jaws, where a bigger oh, yeah, Jaws sure. comes up from out of the ocean. Yeah, but I'm I'm really sort of fine with that. I like having 
little bits of things where it's like, oh, I feel like I know what this is. I feel like yeah. it's going, but the it's nice... not the same thing. No, it's no, not no. The same five characters or no. And and so the nice thing about having a trope or a nice thing that where something is influenced heavily by something else, rip off or whatever, is right. that it's instantly recognizable. It's something that is uh, familiar enough to you, the viewer, or you, the reader, or you, the listener, that it's like, okay, I see where this is going. Uh, I don't have to ask a lot of questions. Uh, I can just kind of go with the flow here and look for all these Easter eggs like the Carpenter and the Durlith and all this other stuff, uh, the Jaws references that are scattered throughout. And so that starts to, um, uh, you know, that that's fine because then hopefully now that you're comfortable with the trope and the tone that's being set by Hill here in this, in this uh, comic, now he can swerve and take you off right. into another direction and make you go, Ooh, okay. I thought it was this and now it's going to be this. Right. I feel like we're, we're in a very familiar cinematic territory here and the references to Jaws are very apropos because you kind of have something similar in this book that you have to Jaws where the characters come together. There's this unseen threat or something that they're worried about. And I find that the, the, for me, the best part of this book is the fact that for doing review, I usually read the book at least two or three times. Each time I went through, I found something else where I caught something. Oh, was that, it, was it the cargo load full of dildos? Was that what it was? <laughs> no, the cargo load full of dildos is very obvious. And I thought that was funny, but as I was going through the first time, I'm like, Oh my God, what's with the squids? And then uh, the second read through, when we meet Mariah, she's got the something strange is happening to the whatever they are, yeah. planarian worms. Yeah. And when we get to the last page, the cliffhanger, I'm not sure what's going on with the cliffhanger, but those worms appear in the cliffhanger page. Mm -hmm. So something weird is going on there. And then that third time around, I was not really paying attention. And then the smart guy is like, oh, well, what about this and this? Uh, it's clearly right around noon. The sun is getting on the solar panels. and But I don't think it is that. And I'm like, oh, yeah, this reminds me of a Twilight Zone episode called The 30 Fathom Grave. So it's all, you know, it's all very much kind of like a campfire, a really good campfire story that feels like you know parts of it, but then they they also get to the thing and it turns out, you know, at the end, uh, the dog came back and in his mouth was the brick. Yeah. So I'm hoping that that's what happens. I'm hoping that as we go through this, the ending isn't obviously telegraphed. And if it does come down to, you know, Kurt Russell and Brian Keith sitting on a glacier ready to shoot one another. I feel like if it looks this good and it reads this well, I may call it a really cool homage and just go on with my day. Oh yeah. And that, that may be where, where we end up and that's fine. The art is fine from Stuart M. Eminent. Um, you know, I think it's a little, it feels a little bit different than what I remember him doing stuff, uh, with, uh, Spider-Man or no, um, was he doing Spider-Man? Yeah, he, um, he was on ultimate, ultimate Spider-Man. Spider yeah. Uh, so yeah. it, it feels like the style has changed from when he was doing Ultimate Spider-Man, but maybe I'm just uh, misremembering. Um, uh, Stewart's been, he actually has been evolving because I remember him from uh, volume four of the Legion mm -hmm. and it feels like each new property kind of has new wrinkles to his art and that's half the fun. Yeah. I feel like this one really works in showing us a bunch of people who don't feel like comic book types or comic book heroes. 
it's just a bunch of weird people. Mm-hmm. You know, some of them are tall, some of them are strange, some of them are thin, some of them are bulky. Who's, who's going to die I'm, first? Oh, gosh. Um, I'm going to go with a uh, nerdy buzz cut guy with the glasses. Oh, the one that was hitting on uh, Moira? I think that those yeah. two are going to survive. No, I think he has to die first, and then Mariah goes on and does her thing. She's going to survive. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, she's, I'm she's sure the... that Beardo Captain is going to bite it. Yeah, oh, that's who I figured would be the uh, the second one to die. The first one to die would be one of the the uh, other brother, glasses guy's oh, other brother. That's who I figured is going to die first. The long haired one. Yeah, yeah and the then smart. so he's the first one. Then uh, the second one is the insurance guy. Then the third one is the captain, and then it's just uh, Moira and uh, and uh, smart glasses kid as the as the last two standing, and then they make it off and they blow up the ship. And then they're riding off in the sunset. And then you see something at the very last panel of the very last page is something bubbling up from the bottom that forms a big question mark oil slick on the it's uh, Kurt Russell. Yeah. Oh, my God. And there's a big question mark oil slick on the water as the as it says the end. He shows up at Kurt Russell swims to the top. And then you hear, you know, Martin Short screaming, Captain Ron, Captain Ron. So I don't know. I enjoyed it. I thought this was a good book. Uh, I thought it was interesting. Uh, if you're someone that's into horror, if you're into terror, if you're into that weird weirdness that goes on with uh, ships at sea, if that's if that's your thing, then uh, by all means, go out and pick up this book. I don't think that there is anything really off putting unless, you know, a cargo hold full of dildos uh, is off putting to you. Um, they're mine. I salvaged them and I'm going to sell them to you. Seventy five cents on the dollar. Oh, man, that guy cracked me that's up. Funny. That yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I mean, if the I thought this book was fine, I, I enjoyed it. I will read uh, issue two when it comes out. I think I will, too. Um, I have noticed and this feels like something that I've noticed in a couple of the Hill House books. The Dollhouse family had this as well. And um, not Olive Byrne. Uh, you get to the end of issue one and there's this big cliffhanger and it's effective. But you also kind of don't know what it means. Because mm-hmm. I'm I'm looking at this cliffhanger and I'm like, I have no idea who that person is. And I feel like it may be an intentional thing. It may be something that is there and maybe I'm just not on the same page. But I do feel like this is a book that I would recommend. This is right in my wheelhouse. This is right in that weird, crazy kind of uh, Tales of the 13 Ghosts. Or yeah. uh, When I was a kid, we used to watch Tales of the Unexpected on the USA Network. And, of course, your Twilight Zones and your, your Outer Limits from the 90s where literally everybody dies screaming. Mm-hmm. I love that. That, I think, is if you're into any of those things, if you're into... You know, the old EC weirdy comics or the stuff where you, you know, pick up a DC comic and some cosmic uh, Joker would kill somebody with a giant pool cue. If that's your jam, then this is your jam. And the art is so good. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's good. It's it's all worth it. I, I would say go go check it out. And yep. uh, thank you to uh, all of our people who told us to review the book this week over there at <laughs> Patreon.com slash Major Spoilers. Plunge. Yeah, plunge number one. That's what it is. Uh, and also, thank you to all of our Discord listeners this week who are hanging out in our Discord chat uh, as we uh, as we record this show live. You can hang out in our Discord and, and listen to us and chat with us live. They're talking about Michael Crichton books 
uh, tonight. And um, and the best way to do that, to gain access to this super secret channel, is to sign up and become a patron at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Now, the most important thing is, in order to vote to pick which book we read on the next episode of Dueling Review, you don't have to be a paying patron. But if you want access to a bunch of other stuff, why not sign up at the silver level? That's all you got to do. Yep. That is all that, you gots to do. Tons of stuff. Not only do, do you get uh, an entire podcast that's only exclusive. Oh, the there's patrons. like three podcasts that are only exclusive Ooh. on our Patreon channel. We have tons of podcasts. I believe when yeah, we got the new uh, the new game for the uh, yeah the shadow of the shadow of the demon lord is there for thirteen episodes, uh, yep. thirteen at least thirteen episodes. Uh, yep. We've got uh, the flashback podcast. We've got the major spoilers pre show that is yep. there. We've got um, uh, why do you hate me? Matthew reviews a horrible comic book picked oh, by you, the dear God, listeners. You, uh, this one is uh, this Superman month. at Earth's End is the one that he does in February. It um, is so crap. <laughs> I don't want to spoil or anything for those of you, but if you want to hear me talk about a crap comic, definitely you'll get a, you're going to want to go check that out. VIP live chats and so much more when you become a patron at patreon.com slash major spoilers. Thank you, everyone, who is currently at, uh, at that level supporting us, whatever level that may be. Uh, so many levels yeah. to choose from. Here's what's coming out next week from uh, all sorts of comic publishers, including Boom Studios. We've got Angel and Spike number nine which comes out next week. Folklords number four. Uh, that is the penultimate issue there. Once in Future number four also comes out and Mighty Morphin Power Rangers number 48. Now, I would really pay attention to what Boom Studios is doing over the next couple of months because they just did their Comics Pro panel uh, today. And last year, they kind of uh, shook the boat a little bit when they said, you know what? There's too many comics out there. We're going to focus on quality, not quantity. And they slashed the number of books that they are putting out. And they kind of re-echoed this again this year. So be on the lookout for some of your series uh, just going away. I mean, it, it looks like one, two, three, four, five books that Boom is putting out next week. And all of these are really pretty good books. Angel and Spike is is good. Folklords is really good miniseries. Jim Henson's uh, Dark uh, Crystal, The Age of Resistance is very popular. Once in Future and the Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. Uh, those are all uh, good quality books. And if they're going to cut their titles and their offerings even more, that means that there's going to be even more great books coming out from Boom Studios in the future and even more limited uh, miniseries uh, that they're doing. So uh, they're a company to watch. They kind of threw down the gauntlet and they basically said, hey, DC and Marvel, uh, that's what you guys need to do. Focus on quality and not quantity. So I'll be interested to see what happens next um, in this coming year. Dark Horse Comics has bang at number one, the second printing. Oh, that one went to second printing very quick. I reviewed that this week on the Major Spoilers podcast. Hidden Society, number one. Joe Gollum, Occult Detective, gets a collected hardcover volume. And Tomorrow, number one, comes out next week. Uh, also, Witchfinder, Reign of Darkness, number four. DC Witch Comics. Witchfinder, Witch yeah. The Witchfinder. Uh, next week from DC Comics, it's Action Comics, number uh, 1020. Now, just to kind of put this in perspective, DC did cut a big portion of their line last year uh, and has slowly been reducing the number of comics that they put out each month as well. But still a lot, uh, including Amethyst, number one, Batman Beyond, number 41, Dial H for Hero, number 12, the final issue there, uh, Last God, number five, Suicide Squad, number three, and You're the Villain, Hell Arisen, number three, the penultimate issue there. Over Dynamite, Black Terror number five, Chastity number five, uh, Red Sonia Vampirilla, Betty and Veronica number nine. And uh, <laughs> that's a hard book to talk about. 
It, ah, is it? I mean, it's all sorts of crazy fun, right? I mean, it's not like, it's hey, Betty and Veronica. Characters in a row. Yeah. It's not like Betty and Veronica are making out with uh, Vampirilla and Red Sonia. Uh, uh, have you read the book? I have not. I've read the first uh, uh, first uh, issue or so. Yeah, uh, I think we covered the first issue here. Yeah. I've been reading it regularly. Cool. Uh, IDW Publishing, Dying is Easing, n- number three. My Little Pony, Friendship is Magic, number 87. Uh, IDW Publishing said that they have three new series launching uh, this year, and I think the first one comes out in May. Image Comics next week, Death or Glory, number nine, Philadelphia number four, Olympia, number four, and Sex Criminals, number 27, with a triple X Coke variant cover. That book is back with a vengeance, my friends. I guess it is. Uh, over at Marvel next week, we have 2020 Force Works number one, Avengers Force number Works. 31, uh, Black Panther 21, Ghost Rider number five, uh, Giant Size X-Men Jean Grey and Emma Frost number one, New Mutants number eight, Star Wars number three, and X-Men number seven, among uh, the many others that uh, are coming out next week. In all the rest category, we have, what do we have? Beware, witches. Shadow Happy New Year. Oh, no. Shadow Happy New Fear, number one. Maybe it's Beware Witch's Shadow. Happy New Fear, number one. It's when they don't put any punctuation in these titles. It makes it Beware the Witch's Shadow, colon. Yes, Beware the Witch's Shadow, colon. That's the worst one. Uh, Let's see. Cave Woman. Habrock's Witch, number one. We also have Grim Fairy Tales, number 36. Gung Ho, number three. That's the uh, comic book adaptation. Of the 1980 oh. movie starring Michael uh, Michael, Michael Keaton. Keaton. Yeah. yeah. It's a good movie. It's got Getty Watanabe in it. Yeah, boy, it uh, really does not stand up uh, to uh, today's uh, scrutiny. No, it, so is, I, it I would, has not aged su- well. I would suggest you don't watch that. Um, kids number unless two. Unless you want to see George Wendt. I, I mean, mean, unless you really want to see what movies were like in the 80s. Uh, it is, it is, um, it's interesting because the movie is... Is a comedy based on the reactionary fears that Japan was going to come in and buy up all of the United States and, and put everybody out of work. Yeah. So that is it's So if that is, if you can kind of project what things were like in the 1980s and yeah. then uh, bring that forward to today and you will really see why that movie and does not remember stand up. that at the time, Michael Keaton was known for acting really loud at the top of his lungs. Also, I would avoid Mr. Mom. Mr. Mom also does not hold yeah. up well. If you really want some Michael Keaton, um, Batman, I think that Birdman, multiplicity uh, has not aged well either, uh, due to one Spider-Man of the characters Homecoming. being a very much camp gay, but it's good. Yeah. Uh, Spider-Man Homecoming, I don't think is really a Michael Keaton film. Oh yeah. He's a good villain. Yeah. He's really he's, plays I mean, good. He's a scenery chewer. Sure. He's yeah. No, great, it's really good. It's really good. It's not really his jam. It's more about, you know, MJ. Yeah. Well, Birdman's good. Laurel and Hardy meet the three stooges. Number one. Uh, there you go. That's coming out next week. Commence to dance. Quantum and Woody number two arrives from Valiant Entertainment. Uh, and then we also have Wolven Heart number five. I don't know who that one's from, but it's coming out next week. And uh, there you go. There's a partial list. As I mentioned, you can head over to patreon.com slash major spoilers. You can check out the complete list for yourself and you can cast your vote on what comic you want us to read next week for you right here on this show. And we will be back next time when you will hear Matthew say... This 
podcast is copyright 2020 by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC.